Welcome back to Encourage Radio. We, of course, are excited to be with you today, wherever you may be. Now, today, we are going to be jumping into God's design for family. Now, that's a loaded statement, don't you think? That is a loaded statement. Yeah, because you can think about that, and you're like, what does that mean? Well, we're just going to be talking about some basic principles today that you can um, just implement in your house. Yes. And they're basic steps. But yes. what's so cool about these basic steps? They are basic steps that you can grow on. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and so what we're doing, remember, we're on this uh, loosely held 90 days of better. We want, I don't know, 90 days. We may, we may extend it. It's just an effort and an attempt to um, start off with, instead of just saying surviving, how, how do I make it through marriage tonight? My kid's discipline. They're throwing a temper tantrum. They didn't do good in school. We, we touch on that. But let's focus on, let's go back and focus on some of the basics that actually make us better. So Encourage and Frontsight, our two podcasts, are sort of going to join together on that word, better. And so in thinking through that, sort of the thought here is just what, what does it look like to prepare your family? Yes. You know, and understanding God's design for that. So if we understand sort of what the home is for, like what are the basic elements that it should look like and what do I emphasize? Maybe explaining that will help us know areas that we can become better in. Yes. Instead of just saying like, we want to help your family, you need a better marriage, communicate, which all that's good. Well, let's just dive a little deeper, but amazingly in diving deeper, let's get simple. Right. And so understand what really is the design for the home. And there's really only like four points, if you will, biblically looking at them and like, what does that look like? How can we become better in those areas? Maybe out of these points, you'll look at it and say, out of those four, if that's what we're going to look at, two, I'm kind of doing okay in. I can improve here. I never thought about this one. I never thought about that one. That's that's really the the hope for this. And and so really the goal, I like to I'd like to also say it this way. You need to understand that every home is designed to be mobile. Yes. Kind of a play on words, like you know, mobile home kind of a thing. But really every every home is designed to be mobile. It's preparing your kids not just to move out and become. But it's designed for your kids to sort of continue in their movement and their walk with Christ and their understanding of what their role in life is. What does it mean for one day your kids to get married and to be in an occupation and to live out life? All of that they learn from home. Yes. And that starts very, very early. Very early. Like talking to them when they're in mama's belly early. (laughs) Yes, very much so. We can go back even maybe a little further than that, praying for them before they are ever really conceived, you know, like praying. So, yeah, let's let's look at just a few things that we know um, according to the Bible. What's, what is God's design for a family? 
and where can I become better in that? So here's what we know. We know that that home, family, if you will, is a place where they should learn how to navigate life. Yes. Uh, maybe, you, maybe you could say it this way, a, a shelter for storms. They are a place where they understand like what life looks like. Often we think our kids are just going to find out what life is when they go to school or when they're in athletics, and they do, but you want them to learn it from you. Yes, but it's the perspective of your conversation. Um, Mm. We just happened to be in our first vitality conversation, and we were talking about boundaries, and we were talking about healthy boundaries for children, but then we also got on the conversation of things like maybe... Families, couples are going through things. How much do you share with your child? And being very broad. Now, what was so cool about this dynamic is we were talking about maybe the topic of PTSD. And in the group, we had somebody that, uh, let's say they were on the front lines of COVID Mm. on the NICU, you know, on the ICU floor. And then we have somebody that is a daughter of a, you know, of someone in law right. enforcement who's very high up in law enforcement. Okay. And then we have somebody else that's a wife. Mm-hmm. So we had three different perspectives mm. of what people go through. Mm-hmm. So one was asking, okay, how much do you share? And from a child's point of view, who is now a college graduate, was like, you know, my, my dad didn't bring home a lot of it. It was, hey, I'm going and I'm going to be gone for a while in Afghanistan, but it's going to be okay. And you're going to be okay. Um, They never shared the details of what was happening. And um, she was just sharing that that was very healthy for their family because Mm. they knew enough of what was happening in culture, but not enough for them to live in fear. Right. From a very young age. And these are parents that are on the front lines. Right. Wow. Many times we take the headlines and share them with our kids yeah. too early. And so our home does not become a safe haven from right. the storms of life. Right. So we have to know what to share. How do we develop that foundation of protection in our home right. that it is that safe haven? Yeah, you know, I heard somebody say it this way, that like in Scripture, uh, in regards to Scripture and in regards to like information, they said all all Scripture is sort of applicable. Like all Scripture eventually applies, but not all Scripture is appropriate for certain ages. Like yes. It, all information will eventually be applicable, like it's going to apply, but not all information is appropriate. Right. So it's learning how to share because what home, when we say home is a place where they learn how to navigate life, well, you you mentioned one, they have to know how to navigate storms. Storms are going to come. Yes. Right? And what kind of storms are those? Uh, well, change. Um, kids' brains change, obviously, depending upon their age and stage of life, but they sometimes they, they, they double in size in just a few years. Um, so change comes with change of jobs, what you just mentioned. Maybe the dad's going away for a while. Uh, change of job, change of school, change of friends. Change is a product of life. Yes. Well, home should be that place where they learn how to navigate change. Very much so. And and you demonstrate that, like just that father's statement of, I'm going away, it's going to be okay, you're going to be okay. Well, that that alone set them up to sort of navigate change. Home is also a place, believe it or not, where they should learn to um, handle failure. Yes. But often at home is where we don't appropriately let them fail. Like you should kind of set them up, not set them up. 
you should sort of allow, yeah, maybe set them up. Like you should know that if you if they're about to make dinner, that they're probably not going to make dinner right because it's the first time they've ever made dinner, even if it's just spaghetti. Let them like make dinner and not make it appropriate, but let them learn that at home where you can walk them through like, that's okay, it's just noodles, it's just this and that. Versus if they have their first like stay overnight or where they're with friends and now they're like, hey, let's all make dinner. And then they make it and everybody's like, what is this? This is the worst meal I've ever had. you know. And they're like, oh my gosh, I didn't know. A simple example of like home should be the place where they do fail and that's okay. You walk them through that. But, but home is again a place where they navigate life, they navigate storms, storms of change, storms of failure. They also, this, this is a big one. Like if home is a place to learn how to navigate life, they have to learn how to navigate rejection. In our most of our homes, most parents are are more afraid of saying no to their children because they think that some form of rejection, no to this friendship, no to going out, you know, no to sports, no to the TV show, like because we're afraid if I say no, that they'll receive that as rejection. Right. You have to already start talking to them in life that there are going to be times when you don't get what you want. Right. You don't get what you cry for. You don't always get what you pray. But also that in maybe pursuing a relationship, you're probably, you, you might not be picked. Right. Or they might not treat you nice. Like there are going to be times and circumstances and people that reject you. Right. And teaching them how to fail forward. Yeah, that's a good one. You know, and being able to say like, you know what, this is a learning experience. We're going to learn from this, but then we're going to kind of pick up our bootstraps and move forward from it. And as they fail, not pointing it out, like, why'd you do this? Yeah. Why'd you do this? Well, there's something that we have that strong power of words yeah. of to help them know, like, Okay, I see that you did this. Well, let's see a different way that we could have tried it. Oh, that's good. It's just all in our verbiage. And we talk about that in marriages. It's all how you project it or share it with your spouse. Right. If you're saying, why did you do this? Of course, that defense is already going to go up. Well, right. the, the child's defense is already going to go up. Right. And that sense of, of shame or I can't do this right. Well, they didn't get, they don't get those, you know, that information in their heart on their own. It's right. kind of how we respond sometimes right. of what we share into them. Yeah. Let them fold laundry and fold the towels the wrong way. Yeah. Just want to be okay with it, if you will. But even let them mow, learn how to mow the yard and they may not follow the same path that you've mowed the the yard, but let them learn how to mow the yard. I can remember, like, I kind of wanted to play football. I've shared that story before, but I was so skinny. I can remember watching the coach talk to my dad, like, your kid's going to get killed. I mean, <laughs> and I, I can remember my dad, well, I can remember looking at my dad's body language going, oh, they said no to me. Right. I was kind of okay with that. You know, I wanted to play baseball, but I was not good. But so it's teaching your kids, like, it's okay to not be good at everything or there's a way to learn. Like, in other words, you have to learn to teach them at home how to face rejection because they're going to go through rejection in some form or another outside of the home, which yes. is what I mean by every home should be mobile. The principles they're learning at home need to be transferable into school, into job, into relationships, into life, into work. Yes. So, yeah, a home, as we know, by God's design is a place to learn how to navigate life. It's also a learning center for life. Yes, Listen, we say this all the time. Every home is a home school. 
Every home is a homeschool. No matter if you're private, public, charter, college, blend, you know, whatever, every home still is a homeschool. It doesn't matter what your son or daughter's teacher's name is, you're still the teacher. Right. And you're teaching them, and, and not always by like sit down, you sit still while I instill. Uh, you're always teaching them. You're teaching them in your body language and how you respond. You're teaching them in how you talk on the telephone to other people, how you text other people. Like they're watching literally um, everything. Yeah. And so when we say home is a learning center for life, well, we borrow that from where it tells us about Jesus in Luke chapter 2, where we know he started his public ministry when he was age 30. Well, we don't have a whole lot written about him from like birth to 30. We don't really know like what he did on a daily basis, but we do know this. The Bible says Jesus grew in wisdom. Jesus grew in stature, like physical growth. So he grew in mental growth. He grew in physical growth. And the Bible says, and in favor with God and man. So he grew in relational growth. So what do we take from that? Your job is to teach your children how to how to navigate relationships. Like, you're going to have friends that come and go. You're going to have friends that are honest and dishonest. You're going to have friends that are mean and friends that are kind. You're going to have friends that are only your friends for benefits, like the benefits you have. Uh, maybe you're the one that has money and they follow you because you have lunch money. You know, like you have to teach them that they learn, they have to learn character. So literally when the Bible says that Jesus grew in wisdom, well, that that's character. Often we teach our kids like, how to try out for the team and make it. We teach our kids how to make good grades. But are we actually giving them something that's beyond the test? And I think it goes back to developing their character, of course, mm. to find out what kind of friend are they to others. Oh, wow. You know, many times we talk about how people respond to us right. or are your friends being nice to you? Well, how are how is your son and daughter responding to others? Mm. Are they always wanting other people to meet their needs? What kind of friend are they to them? Wow. Are they a good friend? Do they pour into others? Mm. Do they gossip? Do they slander? Do they um, take time out for others? Are they considerate? Wow. Um, do That's they take good. time to share a meal? Well, mom, are you sharing a meal? Right. You know, do we see others and take the time to open the door or encourage that mm. person at the cash res register? Mm. Um, are you always in a hurry? Is your child always in a hurry? Wow. Many times we look at, oh, they're going to be in this situation, this situation, this situation. Well, yeah, they're going to be in that situation. But how are they responding in those situations? That is so good. Because so many times we think, oh. You know, I'm driving in the car and everybody else is doing this. Well, we want them to have the heart to say, you know what? That other person may be going through a really hard day and maybe you can be praying for them today. Mm. Or maybe your friend didn't make it to your sleepover because something else was happening at home. Instead of bad mouthing that friend that they didn't come to your sleepover, maybe say, hey, we really missed you today. Is everything OK? You know, wow. just being able to have that that, you know, character Absolutely. enough to know that the world doesn't revolve around you. Yeah, yeah. But that's a really good lesson. Goodness gracious. Go back and play that. Was that like from minute, you know, 13 to minute 15? <laughs> um, that was spot on. So so yeah, this is when we say learning center for life, it's so much more than reading, writing, arithmetic. Yes. It's relationships. Um, it's character. It's also values. Yes. Um, we often forget this, but home 
um, our homes are a relay of values. Yes. Like we literally, whether we know it or not, we're handing off to our children good and bad habits. Yes. Good and bad character. Good and bad skills. It's not just DNA, um, you know, that we're handing over to our children. Like when you say you look at our kids and I can see they have my nose and your eyes and that kind of a thing. So, yeah, DNA we know is obvious. But what we're talking about here is family is a a relay of values. Like one, the Bible says, one generation makes known to the next the faithfulness yes. of God. The Bible is constantly speaking about generations and passing down, handing off. So if you want your child uh, to be a mother, a father, and to have children one day, what are you handing them, right? What baton are you handing your child right now that they're going to hand to the next generation? And many things have to be intentional. Like mm. our third through fifth grade um, boys and girls are going through an intentional study on identity. And their identity is basically one book is called The Princess Kiss wow. for the girls. And the other one is The Squire and the Scroll for boys. Okay. And The Princess Kiss is a wonderful story about this princess who um, goes out with maybe a pauper or meet somebody, Prince Peacock, yeah. and we have a whole story behind that, and meets all of these different suitors. Right. But then all of a sudden, she meets this one man that's the, the pauper that doesn't have a whole lot to give, right. but he has his purity, mm. and and he has saved his kiss for his wife. Wow. So she, he didn't have a whole lot of what everybody else had, maybe mm. fancy words or whatever. Um, but that purity, well, that's an intentional book to read. Wow. With your third through fifth grader, especially yeah. before they get into the middle school years. Yeah. And you're just planting that seed. And what was so cute is my oldest daughter actually read that book. And um, and we read it when she was very young. Very young. And then all of a sudden in her junior high and high school years, all of a sudden she was like, Mom, he's just Prince Peacock. Yeah. He just says all the nice words and just wants to give gifts and things like that. And it, so that had planted a oh, seed. Oh, yeah, she recognized. Of yeah. what to recognize what was ahead. Right. This was several years later right. when she came to the age of, of dating or crushes and things like that. But it was stored back in those third through fifth grade Absolutely. years of, of what to look for, how to save yourself for marriage, um, that your personal Emotional purity was just as important as physical purity right. of what you allow your eyes to see and things like that. Right. So you have to be intentional with that. They're not going to learn that in the, the eight to five school and, you know, the busy sports field. There's things that you're going to have to strategically pour in into your child. Right. No, I love that the word that you chose there, because think about this. Values are going to be handed down. It's, they're either going to be unintentionally handed down you know, like we say things like this. We say, well, I'm a worrier because my grandmother was a worrier. <laughs> well, that's an unintentional, not so well value handed down. Um, well, I'm just impatient because uh, I'm, I've got an Irish background, whatever. You know, like you see what I'm saying? Like values have to be intentional. They're going to be unintentionally handed down whether you're giving it thought or no thought, but you want to give intentional thought. And that's a perfect example of reading that book, uh, The Princess Kiss, um, in that case for, for girls, 
I think they have one for boys as yeah, well, it's right? Yeah, it's the squire and the scroll. The squire and the scroll. You probably said that. But yes, that's that's what I... And, and it was planted at such an early age that was already a value that was planted. So when it came time to be pulled out, she knew what to do with it. Yes, All three of so. our girls read that. Um, absolutely love reading that book with our, our girls. Families also, think about this, should be a place to play. Yeah. Like nowadays, hang on, nowadays at least some of the homes we're aware of in recent years, and not just here, but around the country, we hear the same thing, that home was a place for dad to go home and play on PlayStation and son or daughter to go home and play on PlayStation, but often in their separate rooms. Wow. And playtime isn't just when they're really young and you build the last minute fort or she has the little dollhouse and he has the little you know, army and Tonka trunks. No, 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 no. Home ought to be, in other words, what we're saying is it's a safe place just to be goofy and to laugh a lot. Like this is where they ought to be able to relax because often it's when we feel relaxed that we feel not just safe, but we feel safe in sharing. Like you you want your kids to come home and just be able to play and and know that they're not going to get picked on, know they're not going to get rejected, know that they're not going to be nitpicked. But home ought to be that place. Like vacation to your kids ought to be two inches inside the front door. Yeah. I'm serious. Like they should go on vacations, but they should feel like when they come home, um, this is where this is where life really matters. Like I love my bedroom. I love the kitchen. I love my home. Um, I love playing. Like have those family nights. Um, you know, you may not know this, but there for a while, Raina had, we had like this table in our house. And- <laughs> Raina always called it the game table. Yeah. Remember that? Yep, I know. But we never really played games at that table. <laughs> and we were like, why does she call but we know what she was saying. Like we she wanted home to be that. Now we do. We you know, we well now Rihanna owns it. Yeah. But it was the puzzle table. Um it be, eventually became the game table. And to be fair, there was really kind of too many of us to gather around the table. We did it on the We floor. just had a very small living space. Yeah. And so I was trying to be as creative as possible. And you named it. <laughs> but but still we we joke about it in a good way. But I understand the intention. The intention was to label that this part of home, and at least home, was a place to play. Yes. It was game time. It was fun time. So so think about this. Is um is your home um a place to play? You know, think that think that through. And again, we don't necessarily mean jungle gym. We don't necessarily mean we mean is it a place where your kids feel secure just to come home and pull out the Legos, pull out the the drawing boards, the crayons, the tools. And they're like, I'm home. Like, you know, we just went on vacation and we came back and, and I, you know, I said, this is, this is the greatest (laughs) resort in the world. My home is the greatest resort in the world. Like, I love it. You know, I, you know, you've always been that way, no matter, you know, where we have lived. Right. You know, and it can be one room. It can be one room. It can be one room and you're still you know that you know that's your safe place, your fun place, yeah. your place to connect, um, your place to heal, yeah, um, your place to move forward and to learn. Well, I learned that early on. I think it was Chuck Swindoll that actually said that. Somebody asked him at a conference one day, Pastor Chuck Swindoll. They asked him. They said something about vacations and going away. Do your, does your family ever spend time? And he goes, "Listen, two inches inside my front door is vacation, is rest, is peace, is play." And I thought, "Whoa, I love that." And so I've, in my mind, in my head, in our 
in our head and our family. We've made that a purposeful design that ministry, life doesn't matter, ministry, but life in general is stressful. And it's stressful for all of us, hitting the sales goal, finishing a project, meeting the deadlines and the demands. And we have to be able to come home and, and know to process that properly and then just play with your kids. Right. Just if, you know, play play with your kids. Let home be a place to play. What's a family for? Well, it's where they learn to navigate life. It's a learning center. It's a place to play. Here's another one. It's a, this to me is where I want to spend, and we don't have much time, but this was to me the most important design of the home. Home is actually a launch pad for ministry. Yes. Most people miss that. You say, wait, wait, are you saying that my son or daughter is going into like full-time ministry, or does that mean they're going to work at the church? No, that's not what I mean. All of us as followers of Christ are called to ministry. Remember, what you do pays your bills, but who you are is a minister in Jesus Christ. The Bible never defines our identity as our employment in this world. Our identity is defined by where we're serving Him and how we're serving Him. So your children need to understand that everything they're learning in life is actually preparing them to go out and serve God. Yes. And they won't struggle with their identity as much. They're still going to struggle because they live in a fallen world. They're not going to struggle with their purpose as much. They're not going to struggle with their self-worth or they won't seek out as much validation if they know they were created for ministry and helping them understand, like, where is their giftedness, um, and how am I employing that giftedness in my job, in my home, because I'm learning all of that in life. And to be honest, the reason why I put that last is they learn how to serve by teaching them how to navigate life, by teaching them home is a learning center, you even learn ministry through role-playing, like having fun and playing. Like my testimony is watching my parents go set up church plants and and going to that location often on Saturday nights to clean up that location that was not a church building so that a new church can meet there. But while we were there, like I played as a kid, I can remember playing with some of the older adults, like run and jump off the porch, run and do this. And they made it a game. It wasn't like, let's go set up for church. They made it fun. Yeah. I looked forward to Saturday nights going with the older, you know, with my mom and dad because it was a launch pad for ministry. Now, my mom and dad weren't in full-time ministry. My mom was uh, a college and senior high girls teacher. My dad was a part-time worship pastor, not paid. None of them were paid. So for them, that's just what they did. They understood that's who they were. Your children need to learn from home, Deuteronomy 6, that your home is, is literally a launch pad for them to discover how God wants to use them. Yes. It's a and it's pad. so cool because they get to see God at work. That's it. As, you know, your family serves, as your family lives on mission, right. they get to see where God is at work, maybe in a relationship, you know, with that playmate. Like, oh, wow, this is my opportunity to invite this person to church. Oh. You know, or this is an opportunity to show kindness. Yeah. You know, or this is my opportunity to show gentleness right. or self-control. Mm. I mean, they get to implement those things, but also get to see God at work in those things. Mm-hmm. So whenever they're out in the mission field, whatever that may be, their school, their team or 
whatever, or whenever they're at church and they're learning from others. It is so much fun. I know we have so many volunteer families here on our campus and their kiddos, you know, of course, in staff meeting, we're like, little Johnny, he's, he is such a good leader. He's this, this, this. And I'm like, the kid's in third grade. And yes, we are already yeah. looking at him going, bam, 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 you know, just because you can see the gift set in kids right. so early. So early. And they're calling. Yes. And so it's kind of like we're, you know, at Waterstone, we do all that we can to try to get those kids plugged in or families right. plugged in to say, hey, there is so there's something really cool that you're doing and that right. you are having a blast doing it and we love having a blast with That's you. That's three good points that you just made. I want to write them down after this and maybe even do an episode on that. So three good points that you made. Number one, we have families serving together. Mm. Yes. So it's not just little Johnny that's coming. Like they're serving because mom and dad are serving and they're uh, they're often doing it together. Yes. And and students and children in groups or whatever. So that's a good point. The second thing you said, which is so powerful, is a lot of times it's easier to identify that child's giftedness early on before, because you always say things like, um, I got to get them before they get into sports. (laughs) It is so true. Not that we're against sports, because I learned a lot through sports. You did too. You learned a lot in, in, in your sports, you know, career with dance and uh, you, you, know, you know what I'm saying? It's not that we're against that, but what we're saying is before the world crowds out and cl- makes cloudy who they are, you can already see at a very young age. It's yes. not wait until they're 15, 16, not until they get their driver's license or they're 18 and they're working at you know Publix kind of a thing. No, 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 no. Very early. I never thought about that until you just said it. it's so easy to identify their giftedness and abilities to serve. And that's one of the things that I think I love in the top three here at Waterstone is what we do. We don't wait till they're in like student ministry, proverbially, like, are they old enough to serve as an usher now? They're 19. No, you've got them on stage singing, lead, like whatever their gift is. If it's leading, they're speaking in front of kids. If it's worship, if it's tech, if it's, you know, putting together crafts, whatever, like you're placing them in that area where they're gifted. So by the time they're like in second, third grade, man, they're serving. Right. And that's locked into them. And so many times we forget. I mean, I was studying this morning about David. Mm. You know, it's kind of like he knew to go after Goliath because it was like, you helped me defeat the lion and the bear. Yes. And because of his faith, it's like, God, you did this for me before. You're going to do this for me now. Absolutely. God was already speaking to him with that lion and bear. Yep. How young he was when he was defeating that. So God is speaking to your kid right right now. And we don't want our parents to miss it. Right. You know, because God, he is bringing up an incredible generation right now. Yeah. And he is doing something really cool. So for us, we are passionate about what we do because we can see this movement of God happening um, at Waterstone as well. Well, as in culture, um, where God is just revival, if you want to call it that, um, just something really cool is happening. Yeah. Okay. So the third thing I learned, which I said might need to be an episode, but it doesn't. It can be this right here. It can be the entire episode in this statement right on the third thing I learned. This is the importance of getting your children, number one, serving together as a family, but getting them serving in a children's ministry. Yes. Because it's in that you get to see it fleshed out. 
Like, yes. like, I mean, really, I know this, Raina. I know heaven's going to be crowded with a line of kids in every church you've ever served. It's going to come up to you and say, thank you for getting me to speak early. Thank you for getting me to sing early. Thank you for teaching me this and that. All the kids that you've taught, they're going to come up to you one day and you're going to be like, what? I had no idea. You're so sweet. Well, it's kind of, well, that's hard it's for true. me to see now just because from, a you know, now I, I feel like I'm in a a different administrative role, you know, than being in that classroom. Like I was sharing with Raya early this morning. I'm like, you know, the Lord started at a very young age where I didn't, I really had never opened a Bible and I was already a pastor's wife. I was a brand new believer, but the Lord entrusted me with two little girls. Daddy was a trucker and, um, never forget that just starting out there and I was learning with them. Yep. Um, and I didn't, you know, I really, I didn't know, but just, I think for any parent I was sharing with her, I'm like, it's just that willing heart to serve where you're called to now, Right. not always looking over the fence to think, oh, once I'm here, once I'm here, once I'm here, God calls us to obedience where we yeah. are right now. And then he'll open up the door and we get to see where he is at work. Right. And that's where the joy comes from. Right. That's where we get to rest in him to see um, it may be standing still and you're waiting for him to work. Not necessarily when I'm this, when I'm that, or when I'm doing this. Right. He wants to use you today. Right. Hey, wow. This was so, so good. So many points on there that weren't really on our limited little notes that were awesome. And I love it. The main point is this. if we're, the, the, the theme here is better. Understanding what the home, what the family's designed for, those four points, stay with those because they're going to build on those, will help you be better at being the family God's called you to be. Raina, thank you so much for sharing all that stuff. We had that fun. Jacob, thank you for being here today and pushing buttons and producing and organizing this. Uh, thank you for sitting there and doing all that. We no appreciate problem. all that. He does that now, but then all the work comes later. Yeah, <laughs> it does. But thank you guys also for listening. We're praying for a better family, better marriage, better kids, and uh, the start of a better year. We love you guys. We, as always, pray you are encouraged. All right. Goodbye.